what the heck is going on? It's Bailey. We're gonna talk about recovery. Hey guys, my name is Bailey and you are listening to Recovering Together. I'm an addict and an alcoholic and I've been in recovery for about 18 months and I want to talk about it. I want to make my biggest downfall one of my greatest achievements and talk about life as a sober person. I will also talk to so many other people in recovery and see how they do life and work their program. I am so excited that you're here. Let's get started. Hey guys, this is Bailey Munson and you are listening to Recovering Together. Today I have Nathan with me. Nathan is a co-founder and co-producer of Snow Jam Comedy Festival and a comedian. Nathan, do you want to tell us a little bit about the Snow Jam Comedy Festival? Yes, it's so exciting. We uh, Snow Jam Comedy Festival is a festival that's been going around for eight years. Oh, wow. uh, we bring 30 comics from all over the country and all over the world to Sioux Falls. We bring them to the best place at the worst time, is what we say. Uh, and we raise money for different organizations. In the past, we've raised over, uh, I think, $10,000 for the Special Olympics. And this year, we're raising money for the Compass Center and the Transformation Project, both in Sioux Falls. Both do great work. And so we're raising money, and you know, so come laugh at a good cause. The dates are January 19th through the 21st. And uh, it's going to be a great time. Get tickets at snowjamcomedyfest.com. That's snow without a W. It's not a contest, so no one gets the W. Uh, (laughs) Snowjamcomedyfest.com. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. I know I'm excited for you to be here. I actually met Nathan um, when I was first starting, you know, figuring out everything for the podcast. And I went to Guitar Center and I was like, I don't know what's going on. And he was like, I can help you. And then in the midst of us actually speaking, I found out that he was too in recovery. And so, um, he's been so off drugs for 16 years, right? 14. 14. Okay. Don't want to play you out too much. Whoa. It's it's been, it's been a a long, long time. Yeah. Not long enough yet. (laughs) Um, yeah, I know speaking with somebody, I'm just, I mean, I haven't even been two years yet, but it's like, that's a big deal. I know it's, but it, I feel like, you know, when you're at six months or whatever, then you get to a year, you're like, because you're like, you're looking for that year, you know? And then once you hit what I'm like, almost at 20 months, and I'm like, I'm just looking for that two years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, because I think you just, you're like, want more. Because yeah. that's like my disease. <laughs> yeah. 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 A little bit. Yeah. All um, of that dopamine. Yeah, I just like that feeling, that rush. But anyways, so I wanted you to kind of explain, because we talked about this a little bit before, uh-huh. so you have an interesting history in your recovery, and I wanted you to talk about it. I don't know how you want to start out. Absolutely. So I started, um, I didn't do drugs for very long. I was you a didn't? Goody, or I, w- I did not. Okay. I was a goody-goody. Uh-huh. Uh, I was like an Eagle Scout. No way. Yeah, and like <laughs> drama, like lead in my high school. And I I always decided I wanted to do drugs when I didn't have when I didn't have consequences. Yeah. Right. And so uh, my senior year of high school, like the last month of high school, I smoked a joint or I smoked out of a dry bong, um, which is not ideal. That's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a great experience. And then I, I didn't. It didn't. And nothing worked. And then uh, and then I did. Uh, I smoked a blunt, and it uh, it got me high, and I didn't miss a day. Really, from After then that. on, like my my whole demeanor changed. I completely 
I like everything about me was like, I want this now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it, I missed a day, but I, it wasn't from the lack of trying. Right. You, well, it was like, like a, you couldn't get it type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, or like and no cash or whatever. It, or no cash or it was dry or whatever. Yeah. This is 14 years ago. Right. I mean, 16 years ago, I guess. Right. When I was yeah. 18. And so it was, it was, uh, it was a weird experience to go from one world to completely another one. Um, and then I went to college here in Sioux Falls and I tried mushrooms and then I tried acid and then I tried, uh, that I couldn't get any drugs. And so I started abusing pills that I was, I was already given. <coughs> Um, excuse me. We're not smoking. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then, uh, I found out that I could abuse those pills and then other yeah. people would trade me their pills. Yes. I'm that, that is like truly the game. Like it is, it's like a world of finessing, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, it's just a different world, but yeah. 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 Okay. And so, uh, my, my main thing was I would try to do psychedelics okay. all the time. And That's so crazy. So yeah. Yeah. And I, like I would do stuff I didn't even like, like I had, I hated ecstasy. I didn't like it. It was fun while I was on it, but I hated being, having had done ecstasy. Okay. Right. But I had a jar of it. Right. Like, like a thousand pills in my dorm room. Right. That I, like would sell so I could pay for my weed, my acid, my other hallucinogens and trade and also, you know, still get everything. So it was a bartering trading kind of thing. Yeah. And so I would just eat them just randomly, like before I went to class or like, so would you just be like, okay, so I did like lots of Molly, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I had done acid a few times, but and I did like a little bit of mushrooms. I don't think it was enough to feel anything though. But I don't think ecstasy I ever tried. So is that like this? It's Molly. Molly. It's MDMA okay. cut with another thing. Okay. So um, it would be cut with either uppers or downers. So barbiturates like heroin or um, codeine or um, a lot of I had a lot of meth ones. Um, that would be up. You coke. Up. Yeah, okay. like just just all that kind of stuff. So it's usually cut, and they they brand them. That's where they'd have like a blue dolphin. You know, is and I. It's been fourteen years, so I don't remember. But right. the you, you know you had double stacks, single stacks. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was it was so much MDMA, and then cut with another party drug. Okay. And so okay, I never did Molly. Oh shoot! I never had MDMA really? proper oh. because it didn't exist. It, it didn't wasn't like available. It was only cut with this other stuff. Okay. And then mushrooms all the time, peyote whenever I could get it, like two nice. CE, two CI, two CA, two C. You know, whatever That's, I could get. Those are all different forms of acid, right? Yeah, they're, they're synthetic. They're a different synthetic uh, hallucinogen. DMT did. You did DMT? Do you like once. that? No, I didn't. It cost too much. Really? I got ripped off. And so I couldn't afford like a good dose. And so I just got this head rush and it was just like, I could, I could do this huffing, you know, uh, paint. <laughs> like, I, yeah, it was like, it was just like a bad headache. It's, okay. it's so, uh, I started doing just a lot of stuff that I wasn't like happy 
with. I would have right. never done right. before. Uh, every, every, like I'd always set like a new limit. Right. And then not long after that limit, an opportunity would come up to do that limit. Yeah. And so I just continually get worse and worse. And I was losing friends, but I'd find new friends that were. Like accepted the things that you were doing. Or doing those things right. or worse than me. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, but we shouldn't judge other people's use or whatever. They were functioning. I wasn't. Right. Um, and. Yeah, so I, I just I kept spiraling and spiraling and and all while treating my body as a as a chemistry set, you know I wasn't I would never like put anything in my body which I didn't know exactly what was going to happen, right. right? I didn't know I did a lot of research. I always did, you know, like the <laughs> it was the nerdy form of drug use, you know, like oh what if, what will happen if I take four hits, right? And you know take a bunch of clonazepam, yeah. So like. Like it, it's, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I had, I, you know, it's just, I didn't like the person I was becoming, but I was with people that were relying on me and getting their drugs. So everyone would be like, you're not that bad. Or anytime I'd have these moments where I was like, this is not who I am, or this is not what I want or how I can't function. Or anytime I would hit a new low, I'd be propped up by these and and I don't believe that they weren't disingenuine. You right. know what I mean? I don't think they yeah. were like, oh, you're not that bad. They, they didn't see all of the other things. You know, right. I'd well, hide so- this from them. and hide from- I remember I hung out with, with people all night. And they were friends that do drugs. And I, would, and I was tripping. I had four hits of acid. And they're like, it was like four hours in, like, what's up with you? And I was like, oh, I'm on acid. And they're like, why didn't you say anything? Right. You know, because they didn't know, because we, we had just done it like two nights before together. So they just weren't expecting you to like be on acid again. Yeah. And they were like, well, why don't you just, and they were just like, they didn't know how deep it was for you. Exactly. Right. You know? So you'd hide so much from people that even would be aware of this problem, you know? Yeah. It's funny. Cause I think about that. A lot of things I like relate to about that one, it's the becoming the person that you don't want to be like, be like constantly crossing those boundaries that you don't want to cross. Like, I think that's what happened to me a lot. Um, you know, after I had my son, I was like, this is just not who I want to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it was like a lot of that guilt, yeah. you know, it was a lot of guilt and shame. So I was like, okay, this is just not working for me anymore. But then also I agree. And it's also, you tell, you tell certain people the things that they, you know, that they can handle, Yeah. you know? And it's like, okay, well this person's chill with this. So I would definitely tell them that, but then this person's not chill with this and et cetera, et cetera. And then I think in that kind of way, cause I never considered myself a liar you know, but I think yeah. a lot of times we omit truth. Right. Exactly. That is where the lies come in. Cause yeah, I was never like, I don't do drugs. <laughs> it was like that drug. No, I would never touch that drug. I only smoke weed. You know what I mean? It's like whatever the socially acceptable at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, and sometimes I would just say I was drunk. Right. And I don't, See, I don't really drink. I couldn't use that excuse for a long time because I, people knew I didn't drink. Yeah. Like I didn't drink till I was like 20 and then I like had to basically force myself because I just would always get sick. Yeah. So I was like, fuck that. It's not even worth it. It's not worth it. No. And so, so yeah. Okay. Anyway, so you get to that point and then how long was that period for you? It was two and a half years. Okay. Wow. So it was, it was, so when I literally tried, like I say, I didn't miss a day. There's probably days I missed. 
Right. But I was escaping somehow. Somehow I would, I would escape my current being, right. you know? And I think there was a lot of, like, depression. And I, have, I can look at it back now. And I was, I was no longer... Uh, I was deciding I was no longer Catholic, you know, okay. uh, I was raised Catholic and, and I was having hard times with, you know, like coming to grips with like what I had previously believed and what I currently believe. And I'm in a, I'm in a school that is forcing is it, me to take a religion class. You really? Know? So was it a Catholic or Christian based school? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a Lutheran base. I went to Augustana. Oh, okay. And okay. so, um, yeah, so I, I was fighting that and I, you know, I was, Dealing with you know, trying to trying to get laid and yeah. and and trying to party and trying to you know do all these things that I didn't do when I was being you know I wouldn't say repressed I was very very lucky with my um, life right. like I've I've had all of the I had all of the um, benefits right. one could have you know I think about that a lot too because it's like. You know, looking at my life, I never had, there's no, nothing real traumatic. You know what I mean? Like, grew up with a good family, you know, had stable household, whatever, you know, like everything was good. So it's, it, I feel like people think that in order to be like that, be like this, you have to have something happen to you. And that's just not the case. No. It just no. happens. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, like, when we when we go into you know like these rehab facilities and stuff like that, they talk about like the brain chemistry. Some people just are affected differently, right. you know. And so, like, um, I recently read a study that uh, people with ADHD or uh, neurodiversities mm-hmm. have a tendency can be addicted to non addictive substances, right? So they're not chemically addi- addicted, right? They they're more likely to be addicted to the dopamine that is like the brush. Well, it's like that. I think about that. Sometimes I wonder. You said ADHD or ADD. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. They're in the transition of changing ADD to ADHD umbrella, right? right? So ADD no longer exists, and then ADHD no longer really explains what is actually happening it's 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 a it's not necessarily a misdiagnosis it's a mislabel right well it's kind of like they change like bipolar or uh multiple personalities like did Mm -hmm. dissociative identities it's just like a progression in the medical yeah it's 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 just better language to actually describe what's happening right um so i've had i've like i had a weird relationship with drugs prior to me being a uh, drug addict, I was I was given um, ADHD pills or ADD pills since the age of six. What? So um, ADD is often diagnosed in children, right? Um, and it, and I was ADD. I am ADD. I right. currently am ADD, and so I was picked on a lot. And I don't think it's because of this, but I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was hyper attention deficit. Like, I'd constantly have like monologues in my brain. Yeah. And so I was a weird kid. Yeah. Right. And I was so also, was I. And I, so, so I was, was I. I was a fat kid. And it's, I've talked to like classmates in the past. I went to a small Catholic, um, like elementary school, and every day the nurse would show up to our class and hand me a pill. And I would take that pill 
and then I'd go back to class. So like in front of the my 20 peers or right. 10, 12 peers, I would get a pill every morning. Like every morning, someone so, would come in, like Nate's wrong if he didn't take his pill. Well, and it's like you got you just like setting your setting a kid up for failure, making him take a pill in front of the entire class. Kind of. Like, what the hell are you? But I was doing? also like the only fat kid. Yeah. So like I've talked to like classmates and they're like, for the longest time, I thought drug addicts were fat. No, they didn't say that. Yeah, they thought drug takers were fat. Oh my god. You know, so like. Well, I always have the opposite inclination because when I was on like a bunch of Xanax, like it wasn't until I started drinking, I really gained a lot of weight. Yeah. But it's like when I was on a bunch of Xanax and doing all the coke and this and that, whatever. I mean, I was like real thin. Yeah. Like 100 pounds. But I'm taking meth every day. (laughs) I'm taking meth every day, but it's just making me eat fast. Yeah. Like. Oh. I never lost my appetite, uh, but but crazy. it's it, and that's just all perception, right? right? That's just that's the only experience they have with people that take drugs, right? Right, like the one person is the one person, the one weird kid that they know takes drugs every morning, right? And the, this is all in the huge dare program. It's it's just an interesting study. I mean, it's not important to my drug story, but like, I, I take your pill was. And this is not a fault of my parents or the doctors right. or anything like that. I'm not blaming my my addiction on them. But like, right. take your pill was a good thing. Yeah, it in was my like, brain, that it's gonna work. It's I'm gonna a better person when I take my pill. Right. Right. Yeah, I could see how that kind of like, especially if you started when you were six. When I'm you know six. What I mean? From the time, I mean, I literally this happened all the way through high school. So were you getting Adderall? You said you're getting Adderall. It's not right? Adderall. It's Ritalin. Ritalin. Okay. But yeah, I yeah. Like, and then I had concerted. I had. I had a. I, I, they tried all of them, right. but because the, eventually your body becomes used to it, so they have to switch the things. And then they were worried about. Then the studies came out. Like we probably shouldn't be giving our kids this amphetamine. Right. Um. So they came up with a time release, which was Concerta. I remember one day I was, I was uh, waiting over the bus. And it, my parents dropped by the bus stop to hand me, give me my pill <laughs> Sorry, they just, did okay 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 yeah, yeah. and and this is the funny one story. of the bad kids was like you know the you can get kids? fucked up on that you know like one of the bullies yeah one of my bullies was like you know you get fucked up on that and i was like i don't you know you know yeah I'm like, yeah i'm a good you know. Fuck off. <laughs> and uh and so that planted my seed and then when i was out of weed out of booze out of everything in college I looked at the vial of these pills and I was like, that kid's voice popped in my head. It's like, you can get fucked up on that. So it's, it's midnight and I'm hanging out with a dude who's a friend of mine, still a good friend of mine. Yeah. And I was like, do you want to take these? And we pull them up, we crush them up, use my college ID to put out a line and just started snorting and riddling. Yeah. And that's good stuff. It's, I mean, it did the trick. <laughs> oh yeah, it did the trick. But I needed, I needed ten times more because I've been taking it since I was six years old. Oh yeah, I never even thought about that. But that's, that's, that's. I don't think that's unique. I don't think that's a unique story. Um, what I, what I, I did, I got caught um, in college. Like in with the law. From the school. Okay. Okay. So I was staying over the summer because I had I had gotten a job, 
and uh, during the summer, so I stayed in Sioux Falls because I'm not from here. And um, I had gotten a, a, a half pound of mushrooms to sell, and and I saved myself a quarter. Um, and I took a quarter, but I was still not doing great financially, so I had um, a bunch of weed fronted to me to sell. Uh, but I was like, I need to get to where I'm going before these mushrooms kick in. Okay. I just taken a quarter, which if you've never taken mushrooms, that's too many. Right. Um, okay. I can kind of like imagine. Cause they say like what a uh, ball or whatever, like three point five grams. Yeah, an eighth. would be okay. Yeah. An eighth. Yeah. Yeah. So double that. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, so an eighth is like flying, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I doubled it. And so, uh, and it was, uh, I left everything out. I left all my pipes out in my dorm room, college dorm room. Oh, shit, okay. I left my scale, I left my baggies. I left a half ounce oh, of weed. Shit. And in Sioux Falls, half ounces fell anyway um, at the time, 2008. And uh, I go to the place where I'm going to trip, and I have a half ounce on me to sell while I'm tripping. And um, my phone was broken. It would only work the battery is dead. So you could only, it had to be like on the charger and like propped to charge. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I go to this place and I prop, I get my phone going and I have, uh, five voicemails and two of them's from my parents yelling at me like, Nathan, where are you? What are you doing right now? Like, call us immediately. Where are you? And then the other three were from college from campus like Nate we found some stuff in your room we need to talk about obviously this is you know sensitive subject please come talk to us like campus safety is here we found all this in your room holy shit so I call my parents I'm very high that's what I'm saying it's yeah like, so what do you even do yeah I don't know <laughs> I didn't know either uh, I called my mommy um, yeah I called my parents and um, they're mad because I haven't talked to them in two and a half months. I'm very close to my parents. Right. And I disappeared off the face of the earth for two and a half months. How far in was this to, with your drug use? Two and a half years. Okay, so this was like kind of the end? This is the end. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. this is the last day I took drugs. Well, the second to last day. Okay. Um, the... The, <laughs> I, I call my parents. They don't know. They don't know anything about my drug use. They don't crazy. know that I've been drinking. They don't know that I've been doing anything. I'm still their Eagle Scout. Do you have siblings? I have one brother. Okay. Uh, who lives in Sioux Falls and was sent out to find me. Like he was literally trying to find me in Sioux Falls. Like he was like He's, circling the like city. Yeah, yeah. Like going to the places, trying to talk to my friends and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, they're, they're looking for me. I tell them what's going on and they're, they're absolutely blindsided. They're upset. They're hurt. They're like trust shocked. is gone. Yeah. You know, uh, it's completely out of the blue. And then I call the, I have them. I said, I have a problem. Yeah. I, this has gotten out of hand and all that stuff. Yeah. And so they, uh, I asked them to sign me up for a rehab facility. Um, and I want to come home. And uh, reluctantly, they, they took me back. 
right? Not reluctantly. They were, I I, I don't know even why I said that word. They absolutely called the facility, got me going, were like making plans to come get me like immediately. Right. You know, they're, and they're livid. You know, they're, they're, they're hurt. They're hurt. And so. That is crazy. Because. From my perspective, my parents knew about basically my drug use and alcoholism and whatever yeah. the whole time. Oh, wow. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I was a real winner. So <laughs> I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's fair to yourself. But yeah, thanks. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, just like, I think that it would be shocking. It would be shocking. It is shocking. It was, I, I, I'm literally like, I was kind of sweet. I was going to be a priest. <laughs> I was, I was, I was a good kid. Yeah. Um, and they had no idea. And so, and they knew something was up, but they didn't think it was that. Um, they were worried about, cause I, I think I was going through a bit of depression. Okay. I'm pretty sure like a quite a bit of depression. Right. And so, um, they were worried about that. They like, before I went to college, they sent me to a counselor. And so they were, they did show signs of, like they were worried about me. Right. Um, and so, when I um, I called them, and then I called the school, and uh, the 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 campus safety officer was a sheriff for a long time, so he knew all the laws. Yeah. Um, and and I told him, hey, I'm uh, I can't talk right now. I would love to have come in and discuss in the next day or so. And they're like, well, you, you, yeah, okay. Like we'll like, reactivate your card. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. like, like they literally like deactivated it. Yeah. Like they were like, cause I would have had to go down. to campus safety to get it reactivated. Okay. Right. To get my keys and stuff like that. Okay. And so, um, so I went, I set up a time with them the next day and I went in and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm checked myself into a rehab facility. I, you know, I, I just came clean. Right. And so they confiscated six pipes, a half ounce of weed scales a bag of ziplocs right next to the scale which is intent to distribute right um and a half ounce of weed and he he goes and he flushes um a quarter of it right and uh he goes you can you can upon completing your rehab program and turning yourself into the police you can you can come back to school so because i i'd taken the steps already like Right. You kind of figured it out yeah. before they had to tell you. Well, I, yeah, I did. Yeah, it was, I, or my whole done. life was gone. How many years had you been in college at that point? Two years. Two years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like May is when I started and then I went to school that next September. Right. Okay. And then this was August of 2008. So, um, yeah. And then, yeah. And, but here's the thing. I owed a lot of people money. Because a lot of those drugs were fronted, that were yeah. confiscated, um, and so that was a scary time. Because this guy was a, a scary guy to owe money to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's. But I went to, I went to rehab in my hometown. Um, my parents had a, like a, uh, like a intervention with me and my brother and my sister in law. Okay. And my, um, while well, my niece was taking a nap, and. You know, uh, I was mad at them. I was like, I already said I'm coming. Right. Well, I was just going to say, why did they do an intervention if you, like, already admit it? They just want to talk to you and tell you their feelings, basically? Yeah. Yeah. They were hurt. Yeah. And they want to talk to you. They were hurt. Yeah. You know, the, what, the, the 
And, I, and I'm actually, like, I was very mad at the time. Like, I remember leaving and just going sitting in my car. Like, just sitting in my car in the middle of it. And my brother came out and tried to have that talk. He's just like, you know, like, you, you, you can be mad, but we are, we, we, you needed to hear that. Right. And, and I did. Yeah. Because I, I think that's one of the reasons why I made a promise I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it anymore. To them. You know, and right. so it's, I think it was important. Well, and it's like, it's kind of knowing how you hurt someone is important because you have to find out your actions have consequences. Right. right. Well, and you have to, you have to clean your side of the street, you know, mm-hmm. and like, it's all a part of, you know, the making amends or whatever. It was, we had more of those conversations like after I got out of treatment, mm-hmm. but nothing i mean really before that i mean i was just completely worthless before that like i remember my mom said a week before i went to treatment because i was not going to treatment at that point no fucking way you know she's like you really need to go to treatment and i was like you need to go to treatment and then she just like walks out of my house and she's like okay well good talk yeah i tried yeah (laughs) okay so then you go to treatment is a 30-day inpatient treatment program or just like an outpatient outpatient Okay. Um, same with my parents' house. Um, I uh, I had to get a job. Yeah. yeah. I had to do outpatient. I had to complete. Um, I had to complete. Uh, Sunny, just eating your face. I had to complete my hour sheet. Okay. Right, because they give you an hour sheet even if you don't have court. It was like part of the outpatient uh, program. Okay, but so. So, so hour sheet, what does that mean? Uh, you had to get signed off that you're going to meetings. Okay. So you worked the program for a little bit. You have to work. You have to work the 12 steps. Yeah. Okay. You have to. So what was your experience with that? I know that you don't work the 12 step program anymore. I'm not. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm part of the program any longer. Okay. Um, I got kicked out of my, I, so I've found a meeting in my hometown and it was an AA meeting. Right. And I, I've, I've. We kind of glossed over this. I did drink. I I don't drink. It's just not. I've never needed a second drink. Right. It's not. Like a, you're not an alcoholic. Like you're not. I, and I and everyone says that. And so I have a hard time saying that. Right. It's like I can do this. I don't have a problem with this. Right. Is right. another denial of right. our of our of our thing. I legitimately don't like to drink really i will have one with dinner or i will i'm I'm a stand-up comedian and i work at bars my job is to sell drinks that's why bars pay me right and so i will have a drink on stage because it psychologically convinces people that are already drinking that they should drink more um but it's like you and and i totally believe that yeah you know what i mean just so you know like because i know there are some people who who don't think that's possible i think that's possible you know and it's like i think the only reason that i can't say the same thing is because i started with drugs and i ended with alcohol so for me it's like it's all bad you know but it's like with some people i do believe that that is possible well everyone is different and that's the that's the important part right we're all different we all have our own experience we all have our own recovery yeah absolutely and so i've i've never really had a problem with drinking um and that being said, I did quit during while I was working the program. Right. Right. Okay. I uh, I turned 21 in rehab. <laughs> That's how it always happens. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I turned 21 in rehab, 
And I hadn't, and I, I, at this point I had been sober four months. I'd been clean four months. And on my 21st birthday on the way home from a rehab facility, I went to a bar and I had, and I said, do you do anything for your birthday? And I showed him my ID. He handed me one drink and I drank it and I left. And it was the saddest experience I can remember. Really? It's just one of the saddest experiences. Like why, why did I ruin this? Really? For that. It was like nothing. And you didn't want more. No, I didn't want a you're second just, one. I didn't, just I, didn't, like, I didn't finish it. <laughs> I didn't finish the drink. There, really? was, there was stuff at the bottom. You know? Dude. Like, I know. That's who, like, we talk about the crazy people that don't finish the drink. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the husband will talk about how the wife has, like, a glass of wine. She doesn't mm-hmm. finish it. And they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Because that's how I am, too. But it's just like. That's just, just, I I think that's crazy. I never, I've I've always, I always drank because it was socially, like it was social. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, I'm I'm perfectly happy. Like right now I'm in a, I'm in a business in my life where I I go to bars as my job. Right. My job is I go to places where alcohol is being served and I could party because I can do it for free. I could literally drink for free any night of the week. Right. And I don't care. I don't have, I have zero interest. I'd rather go have a milkshake. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like seriously, like I can't remember how many like, you know, big badass comedians that'd be like, all right, where are we going after? And I'm like, Denny's. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to Denny's because I want, I want a milkshake. I'd rather talk to someone than have a conversation than, than get hammered and and make, you know, uh, fake friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, So it's. I've, I just didn't have that problem, but I'd still, I still talk to that about that with my sponsor and all this. Anyway, we were talking about one thing and okay. you asked me a great question and I completely avoided it. Okay. What was the question? So part of, part of rehab, I had to go to do the 12 step program. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so the first meeting I found was an AA meeting in my hometown. Um, okay. it's a small town in Minnesota. And, and they had a meeting there? Oh, yeah. There's meetings everywhere. Oh, it's crazy. beautiful. I love that. It's beautiful. You can find a meeting in any town in America. I guarantee it. I love that. That's that's the beautiful part about that program. It is. It's available to everybody. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. And and if you don't like that meeting, you can go to the next town. Yeah. And next town over. Yeah. Just try it over. Yeah. That's it's It's just fine. So... I mean, if you don't have a license, it's harder. But the <laughs> ride a bike. I had a buddy who literally his license was suspended. Rode a bike everywhere for the first like two months of his sobriety. Yeah, it was crazy. I bet he felt great. I know. I was just gonna say, I bet he lost like ten pounds. Yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm not t- get taking in all these sugars, and I'm feeling good. Oh my gosh. Right? Okay. Uh, so this is a joke about the 13th step. I won't make. Uh, <laughs> the. the, the what? <laughs> well, I bet he was looking better for the thirteenth step, right? Was the dude? The joke. Yeah, a lot of other girls thought so. <laughs> the I went to this AA meeting, and um, you know, and 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 anonymity is important. Yeah, and I show up to this meeting where I've been a part of this community for a long, long time, and my mother works at the hospital, one of the main employers in the in the town. And so a lot of these people, my mom is their boss. Right. And so I show up to this AA meeting and I don't have any drinking. I don't drink. Right. I do like drinking has never been an issue for me. Right. 
and well, so it's like a lot of these people probably have never done. Yeah, and so so a they couldn't relate to me. Right. B, I'm the son of their boss. I grew up with them. I spent, you know, I make the joke where I was born in a hospital, but I spent most of my time there too. Right. Like literally after the school, I'd just go to the hospital and hang out. Right. Well, and, and it's like then that's extremely concerning, especially like in yeah. You know, doctor profession. Yeah, you yeah. don't want somebody to say you something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it, and is it you know as a newcomer, I don't know all the rules. I don't know all the all the things. I you know they don't. So I was when the break happened when they break out in groups, um, I was asked to leave, and and they did it in a very polite way. I'm not saying I was kicked out, right? But I was asked to leave, and they said you should go to this NA meeting, which is the next day at this place. Oh, nice, right? Yeah, and so. And so I found a really great community with NA in my hometown. Nice. And I found a sponsor there. My sponsor, super weird story. Two months before I got sober, I was home. Or three months before I got sober, I was home. Yeah. And I was jonesing really bad. And everybody I knew who could hook me out, like, not jones. Jonesing isn't the right word. I wanted to get high. Right. Um, I was driving around the town, and I literally cut someone off on the sidewalk who was walking and I rolled like down the window. No, no, just they're just walking on the sidewalk. I okay. pull into the driveway right in front of them. And I rolled down the window. I'm like, "Hey, man, do you know where I can find anything, any drugs?" And he's like, "No, man, I can't help you out." He was five months sober, really, and became my sponsor. Really? Yeah. So when did that happen? How how long after that did that happen? This was eight months later. Holy smokes. Yeah. So did you guys meet in the meeting then? Yeah, we met in the meeting. Holy and shit. he came up to me after I'd been to like <laughs> five meetings. <laughs> he he came up to me after the meeting. He goes, you don't remember me, do you? I was like, no. And he goes, you pulled up in your car and asked me if I had any drugs or if I could get you any drugs. A, a complete stranger, which is the madness that we went through as addicts, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. that dude has long hair. I bet he can get trucks. Yeah. Like, once, like, and you kind of just are like, I'll do anything. Like, I don't really I care. need something. Right. Anything right now. So, yeah. I would have done anything that night. And so it's like, it's it was insane. The, ser- the synchros- synchronicity, are you familiar with that term? No. It's like, um, synchronicity is a, is a big thing in like the Grateful Dead world. Where like things happen, they're they're not necessarily coincidences, but they're they're related, right? right? It's that it's that it's meant to be, yeah, right. So we see these small things kind of come together and make sense of the world, yeah, right. I th- I think that's a a bad example, but but it's just one of those things. I've had a lot of those, and it's it's funny to me now that I've been sober for this long. Congrats, like, by the way. Thank that's you. a big deal. Thank I know, you. I know, like it's anytime someone's like two days, it's like, that's hard. Yeah. (laughs) 14 years is hard. Two years is hard. 30 hours is hard. Yeah. It's all hard. It is. It is hard. And it's like, it's so worth it too, because I don't think I would give anything. Literally. I don't think I'd give anything because, okay. Aries. Um, I wouldn't give anything up for like the clear mindedness I have today and like the things that I'm able to like understand and like see that I wasn't able to see before, you know, and like those little, those moments that you're talking about, like 
stuff like that i would not have given a shit less about yeah you know what i mean when i was like yeah. so high or drunk or whatever i'd be like i wouldn't have been able to put the two together mm-hmm. you know so it's mm-hmm. i'm just grateful to be where i'm at and it's freaking hard sometimes and especially like i think over the holiday season i was really surprised about like just the way i felt you know because mm-hmm. there's no way to really explain it until you're in it but yeah. it's like it just some days are hard some days are not hard you know what i mean just yeah. depends yeah but that's why we take one day at a time, right? Exactly. And so I, 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 I'm not in the program anymore, but I gained a lot of pro from the program. Um, and the problem, I had such a great group in my hometown. Right. And people that helped me and cared about me and stuff like that. And as soon as I moved away, I wasn't able to find any community like that in the NA community at that time, right? Right. Um, it was so dramatically different from what i was used to and hoped for yeah and so uh i left the program but what i did find is a program of my own right i found i i I knew what the steps were i knew what i needed to do to become a better person right Right. i knew what i needed to do to stay sober and keep my promises to people that i loved right and so i think the the at, at its core what the program is, is, is connection of people and accountability. Yeah. Right. I agree. Is, is someone that can th- relate to what you're going through. Yeah. And share kind of like sharing your story, talking about your story and, yeah. and potentially helping other people. Yeah. And, you know? and, and having that, having that community or someone you can turn to when you're in a, in a moment, right. I still have those people in my life. I was going to ask, because how do you how do you cope or deal with it or whatever? Because yeah. you still have those people. I, I still have those people. Nice. They might not completely understand, but they're willing to listen to me with an ungentle face right. or with an ungentle ear. Right. Right. And so I do I do seek out other people that are in recovery or have been through recovery. So they have an understanding of what I've been through. Right. But I, I don't do that in a meeting. Right. right. And I think it's important if I didn't have those meetings, if I didn't have that framework, like the initial, yeah, the initial, if I didn't have those experiences to learn what this felt like, I just took that equation and I applied it to people that I love. Right. Right. And so it's just, it's the fellowship. It's a fellowship, Yeah, you know, of something that ability to remain open and truthful no matter what, even if it hurts or makes you feel like a bad person yeah. or anything like that, I believe that's the, at its core what the program does, what those 12 steps do is allow you to be truthful to yourself and to the people around you. It's open, honest, and willing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I keep that with me. I just don't do it at a meeting. Right. right. I do that with my fellowship. I do that with my crew. I do that with people that I know. Right. Yeah. I also learned that I can't be in the same situations that I that I would put myself in danger, right? Right. So I know I can't go to that festival. I know right. I can't, you know, like I could if if someone sparked up a bowl right in front of me right now and it's happened a hundred times, I don't need that. Right. Right? I know I can handle that situation. Right. That being said, I didn't know when it first happened and I had to get out of those situations. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. I like that you said that, you know, so, so right now I can do that. Right. And I shouldn't, I still shouldn't. And I still try not to be in those situations. Right. Especially if I'm in any sort of mood where I'm not 
at my strongest. Like spiritually fit, if you will. Yeah, spiritually fit. If I'm not, if I'm not doing the work of being, or uh, if I'm in a low moment, right? I right. cannot be around someone right. using, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, and it's so great. Like, if my willpower is down, right, I can't be there. Right. You can't be around people who are... And I know that. Yeah. And now that I know that, I put myself in those situations. Well, also, it's I have more to, to lose yourself. Now. Yeah. Okay. You have more to lose now. So do you... I have, I'm married. Yeah. 10 years I've been married. That's crazy. I've been clean for 14 years. My wife has never used a drug. Ever. Not once. So she doesn't understand that. Right. 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 But what I do know is I made a promise to her and I, I live, it's codependent as hell and right. it's bad, <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I have other people that I can turn to in those situations. But she always, again, lends a, a judgmental ear right. um, and is willing to under, try to understand. Um, so I've been married to, I have a, I have a beautiful daughter who we talked about just before the podcast aired. Yes. Um, you know, and I'm proud to be in her life and Claire clear headed and, yeah. and there for her. And so I have a lot more to lose now. If I go back, my, my, my parents are some of the, the greatest people in the world. I truly believe that not just because they took their drug addict son, put him in his, put him in their basement, charged him rent and put all that money into a savings account to get, help him get back on his feet. No shit. Right. That not, is awesome. That's not one of the reasons why they're the best people. Right. That's, it's, it's, it's a small sliver of right. why they're the best people. Right. They, that's just a, a tiny fraction of why they're amazing. The, I owe it to them. They've, they've worked so hard and cared so much that it's not worth it to lose that trust that I've rebuilt. It's never the same trust, right? That trust that I had when I was 18 going off to school, that will never be there again. Right. Never, not once. Right. And that's Even okay. after 14 years. Too. 14 years. Never, not, that's, I will never have that again. Never. And I'm okay with that because the trust that we've built now is based on open communication, right? right? I can talk about it when I've had a bad day. I can talk about like, hey, I'm not using. Hey, I did, you know, like, I did. I was around this today, and right. it's okay. I'm fine. Like, I I don't have any problems, right? And they they they're proud, but they're also cautious. Yeah, because they know at any moment, way. any moment it can go away. Right. Right. Well, and like you hear of these people who seem like they're doing well, and then all of a sudden they fall off, and you're kind of like. Well, what happened? Too well. You know? Too it, well. We get confident. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're just, I can handle it. Yeah. I'm not the same person I was 14 years ago. I could smoke. Right. Right. I could go back to that. Right. Like, I could just have one drink for that, me, you that, know? That creeps into my head all the time. I could go back. I wouldn't be a problem anymore. I'd be able to handle it now. Right? But yeah. Then, and then I think, what are you doing? Right. You're getting crazy. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, and it's so interesting to me, too, because, okay... Like, I don't even know. This was probably like over a month ago because I've just been in different situations than you have, which is 
like it's just different to go off of other people's life you know but it's like over a month ago i was at this like dinner for a friend's birthday party very casual she had friends there that i didn't know very well that was fine whatever so then we us ladies we all went to the bathroom like when we were done eating dinner okay well one of the girls like literally pulls out some mushrooms and she was like do you want to do some mushrooms and like for me I never really did mushrooms. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, no, I was like, I can't do drugs anymore because I, I just don't stop doing drugs yeah. and then it's a problem. You know, yeah. but it's like, if that was like an oxy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if I could, if you put two tabs of acid in front of me, I don't know if I could t- say no. That's what I'm saying. And so it's know. like, and because every person, that's another thing too that I don't think people understand. It's like, there are different vices for every person. So it's yeah. like, not because two people are drug addicts, if you put mushrooms in front of two people, okay, it's not going to be the same. No. You know? So no. I just think that's really interesting. I don't know if I've had anybody smoke weed around me yet, but the drinking. Yeah. The drinking is like nonstop. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy. It's hard. Yeah. It is I'm hard. lucky that acid isn't ubiquitous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky. They're not I'm, like handing acid out of the yeah, bars. Yeah, yeah, you get a tab, you get a tab. You know, and that's that's the thing. Like I I, I somebody one this lady, very, very kind lady, came up and was after a show and started to put a brownie in my mouth. Oh and shit! I'm gonna eat a brownie. Right, me too. Absolutely. <laughs> every time, so, very Especially nice. if someone's feeding you. Yes, yeah, like, literally from her hand was handing me a brownie, and then she handed the other comedian a vape pen, and he goes, "Is this weed?" And and she goes, "Yeah." As she's putting the brownie in my mouth, and I smacked it out of her hand. I smacked it out of her hand. I was like, "I'm so sorry. No, thank you." <laughs> You know, like, because right. it, it was, it was a weed brownie. I would have lost, I would have lost eight years of sobriety. That's because, crazy. Because people was trying to be friendly. And, and, and right. that's, I don't discount her right. at all. Like she was, she was just trying to do a nice thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't talk about my recovery on stage a whole lot anymore right. because it's not, it's not, um, it doesn't need to be said, right? right? That person and my and the person I am now and the person I was 14 years ago are so disconnected. Right. They're just different. They're just so different. And yeah, so those same absolutely. experiences that I talk about now don't connect. They're unbelievable. Right. right? And right. so that's that's why I don't do that. But I will always be open about my recovery because I'm right. very I'm very happy to be in recovery. Right. I'm well very- you said it to me right away. You know what I mean? When when you were like, Oh, what's your podcast about? And I said it's recovering together and you then yeah. So I'm very happy to be in recovery. And yeah. I, I the message I always tell people, like especially if I see them not having a great day, is like, hey, it does get better. Yeah. It does get better. It then it gets worse. <laughs> And then it gets better again. But as long as you keep doing the work, as long as you keep trying, it will get better. Dude, absolutely. Well, and one of the many things, like, I feel like I've, okay, my therapist has told me that, you know, I basically emotionally stunted myself for a super long time Mm -hmm. because of the drinking and using. So I went through, like, rapid emotional growth within the time frame that I've been sober. And so I've had a lot of existential crises, I think. Yeah. I don't know if that's like the correct vocabulary there with the S's and whatnot. But like one of the things is shit, dude, I lost my train of thought. Emotional growth. Emotional growth. 
Oh my god. Anyways. Oh yeah, okay. No, I lost it. It's gone. It's gone. I get it though. I'm sorry. I get it. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. It was hard for me to let go of the people that I thought I cared about me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um that was that was one hard thing cuz I went back to I went back to college. Did you finish? I did finish. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I started dating my wife in recovery. I was in rehab and Facebook Messenger had just started and I'd be at work and I'd wait cuz I met her in college and she hated me. She absolutely hated me. And so really? I was I would be at work and I'd wait for her Facebook to turn green that she was on. Yeah. And then I'd I'd set a timer for like 4 minutes so I didn't seem so eager. And then I'd I'd message her, and then she like we we were we did we did a terrible show before because her and I are both theater majors. Okay. And we did a show together before I I got clean before I got kicked out and stuff, and it, I would just hit on her the whole time. Just relentlessly. I mean, just I mean, I was I think respectful. Right. But I would I would you know be like you're so pretty. You know, like, or just like, you're, you're so kind, you know, so right. just, I was just very flirted, flirtatious with her. Um, and she, she missed me, you know, uh, in this, when I, when I wasn't there that next year, cause I took uh, my sabbatical as they say, the collegiate. Right. Uh, so, uh, I took that, you know, and, and so I was talking to her a lot and wooing her, you know, at Center Flowers every yes, once in a while and stuff as like that. We do. But I, so I had to get back to Sioux Falls because the love of my life was here. Right. And, you know, I was telling my friends, like, before we even started dating, I was like, I'm going to marry that girl. That's, I love that. I feel like that's always what guys say. And then they say that later. And I'm like, oh my God, that's so cute. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, 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 very lucky to have met the woman that I, I, I mean, the first time I saw her, I, I'm not proud of this moment, but uh, again, very different person from 14, 15, 16 years ago. Uh, the first time I saw her, I dibbed her in a group of guys. I was like, "Really? Yeah, I did." You're like, I was that's, like, that, I, "That's all me, I get gentlemen." That one, you know, Thank you. Yeah, I get that one. Uh, and uh, I, I'm not. She hates that, but I, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not proud of it, but it is a sweet thing now. Right. Know? Well, it's like because you just knew. That's so special. She's so gorgeous. That's so special. And, and such, like, internally gorgeous, too. Right, and so, right. like, I don't like that I cupped my, my chest. Your but breasts. I was trying to, like, her heart is, is what I was trying to say. Um, and, you know, she still hates me, but, like, in a loving way. Right. <laughs> I think that's how most marriages usually yeah. stick together. Yeah. I don't know. I've yet to find my my man's my man's of the future but like you don't need one I, yeah I, you know like I, I love my wife absolutely but it's it's I don't need her to live she just makes living great yeah um, well and I think that's what they they always say like you know I don't need you I want you yeah. in my life and I think that's what makes relationships work yeah you know yeah I mean I still need her but the, yeah that's a whole lot of other but so like I, I was lucky that I, I and I and again I call it luck. Um, luck is preparation and hard work equals luck. Right. Yeah. So it's so not totally luck. Luck is is preparation meets opportunity. Right. That's that's what that is. It's, right. Well, it's like you worked hard to get to the place you need to be, and then that thing met you where you were at. Yeah. And yeah. so that's. 
like we talk about that as comedians a lot, right? It's that that guy did. The, no famous comedian is. Some of them have luck, but they also did the work, you know. And so and so I I take that in recovery a lot too. It's like I did the work. I'm doing the work, right? I'm talking to people about recovery. I you know I I understand. I just I don't live in that system. Right. I created my own. Right. Because right. I believe in other people and right. I believe I believe fellowship is important. I don't think that's necessarily just to the sober community. I think that's to the human race. Yeah, I agree. Right. So that service, I think, keeps me sober. in a sense. Well, and I also think because I, I just know of that there's just some people who want to focus on the problem. You know what I mean? They want to focus on the overdoses, the deaths, the, you know, but it's like, I want to live in the solution, you know, because I think for a long time, a lot of people thought like I was hopeless, Yeah. you know, and it's, you know, you see a lot of people not recover, but it's like, I want to talk about it and I want to talk about that it is possible. And with your situation, it's possible in different ways. You know, nobody's, nobody's recovery looks the same. Yeah. All right, Nathan. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. This is great. This is great. Whoever thank sold you. you this at I know. Guitar He's Center. pretty cool. I don't know. I'll have to let him know. But also, <laughs> thank you so much for all your help. Seriously. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Um, and also, check out Snow Jam Comedy Festival. Snowjamcomedyfest.com. Uh, we've got great comics uh jackie cation from the dork forest shannon paul the voice of hip-hop in the cities uh and nick moms it, it, she's so great both of them are amazing so come check that out it's a great event and for a good cause perfect awesome thank you nathan thank you bye-bye hey guys thank you so much for listening if you have any topics you'd like me to discuss or have any questions about recovery please email recovering together three at Outlook.com. And I would love to make those things possible. Have a great night. Bye.